So today is July 17, 2022. We're at Lesson 7, studying the conversion of Saul, or Paul as we mostly know him as. Uh, they're both the same name because he had a Greek father, I understand, and a Jewish mother, so he could go by either Saul or Paul because you might say both were on his birth certificate if he had a birth certificate. And so when he, he went to the Gentiles, he used the Gentile name more than the Jewish name. And so that's why we know him mostly as Paul, because in all his epistles, he starts out with saying Paul. Anyway, we have taken prayer requests, so I believe it's Mickey's turn to pray today. So we're going to let him open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for this day that you have blessed us with. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are able to come into your house to study your word together, Lord, and to lift up our voices to praise and glorify you. Father, we have needs within the body today. We ask your hand, Lord, to reach down and touch this child, Heavenly Father. Lord, anoint him as the doctors try to rightly diagnose his situation, Lord, and prescribe the right medicine method to to heal him heavenly father we know lord that you are the great physician and you allow these doctors and nurses heavenly father to be your instruments and your tools to give peace and comfort to those that are hurting we lift up this uh, friend of uh, Robert's Heavenly Father, that his wife is in need, Heavenly Father, today. Lord, you are the healer of all of our diseases. We ask you, Heavenly Father, Lord, even though they might not believe in you, Heavenly Father, you are still there to heal and to guide, to direct, Lord, that they might see, Heavenly Father, your hand touching and ministering and lifting them up and healing bodies, mind, and spirit. Heavenly Father, today we just glorify and magnify you your holy name. We lift up Betty to you today and Savannah, Heavenly Father, in this time of need. Lord, we ask your hand to rest upon them and to give them strength and victory, Heavenly Father. Lord, not only in their body and their healing process, but in their minds, may they be stayed upon you and trusting in you. We ask you to be with this neighbor, Heavenly Father, of Opal's mother, Heavenly Father, that you would give comfort, guidance, and direction in her life today. Lord, may she find the rest and peace that is needed not only in mind, body, but in the reality of where she's at today. Lord, we just thank you for the day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. Lord, as we study your word together, lift up the name of Jesus. Praise you for it in thy name. Amen. Amen. Good prayer. Praise the Lord. I was looking in the hymn book here. Do you all know this song, Yes, I Know? <laughs> you, you, the, the chorus goes, and I know, yes I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean, and I know, yes I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. The verse says, come ye sinners, lost and hopeless, Jesus' blood can make you free. Amen. For he saved the worst among you when he saved a wretch like me. That's something that Saul could have definitely sang because 
whenever he talks about how Christ saves, he always says, of whom I am chief. So he said, I was the worst among you. <laughs> and uh, the second verse says, to the faint he giveth power, and through the mountains will make a way, findeth water in the desert, turns the night to golden day. And the third verse says, He will keep thee while the ages roll throughout eternity. Though earth hinders and hell rages, all must work for good to thee. Amen. That's a beautiful song, all right? And uh, my brother knew the author of that song. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I understand that uh, he was really lost you know and as we all are before we come to Christ but he he was he was a drunkard and all kinds of problems you know but then he had a vision of hell and he realized he didn't want to go there and so he got right with God and he wrote that song yes I know Jesus blood can cleanse us amen uh, so our topic, as we said, or the lesson today is about the conversion of Saul or Paul, and uh, our key verse is found in 1 Timothy 1.15 that I was quoting. Uh, we'll go to the NLT. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. So that's how I got to think about that song, you know, because that's what it says, you know, that he saved the worst among us when he saved a wretch like me. And our central truth is anyone who repents and believes in Christ will be saved. And... Uh, in the introduction, it says Christians may become discouraged while attempting to share the gospel with those who have long rejected it. However, God gives us in the life of Saul proof that no one is beyond his power to save. And so this is a good example of, of how that if, if he could save a wretch like Saul, he could save anyone. <laughs> and uh, Saul today opposed... I mean, totally opposed the church and, more important, Christ himself. And his conversion gives us one more reason to believe God for the impossible. And it kind of gives an illustration of, of how that you see all these weight loss programs, you know, where it shows before and then after, after you take their weight loss or... Uh, one of the latest ones out is this kind of belt you can put around your stomach and it just vanishes down, you know. And uh, so they, they, they say, you don't have to change your diet or anything. <laughs> so if that really worked that good, I guarantee that that would really be sold out. <laughs> so... You're used to seeing those advertisements of, of before and after pictures. And uh, sometimes it not just does with weight loss, but home improvement products or services, you know. And uh, with the story of Saul, we could definitely see what he was before and what he was after. 
Most often companies trying to sell you a product by helping you picture yourself or your property in an improved state. God doesn't or isn't trying to sell you a product, but he does present dramatic before and after pictures in the book of Acts. And Saul's life is one of the main pictures there. Saul's life after he met Christ points to a dramatic difference the Lord makes in the lives of believers. Saul himself pointed at, to himself as an example of God's power to save even the hardest of sinners. So Saul's journey began, of course, with a strict adherence to the Jewish law. As he continued, he heard about Jesus and considered him a threat to the proper exercise of the Jewish religion. He committed himself to stamping out the mention of Jesus' name. Saul's journey came to a stop, though, as he traveled to Damascus to persecute believers there. Suddenly from heaven, the direction of his life's journey would be forever changed. And so our references uh, shows both uh, what Luke wrote about Paul's conversion in Acts 9, 1 through 3. But if you go to Acts 26, you hear Paul himself giving his testimony before King Agrippa about that experience. And he adds, or he gives more detail than what Luke did in Acts 9, 1 through 3. And uh, so we'll be in both of those books, or not books, the same book, but the same different chapters, that is, telling the same story in Acts 9 and also in Acts 26. And, of course, it begins with uh, uh, Acts 7 with when S Stephen was being stoned, and it said that they cast him out of the city and stoned him, speaking of Stephen, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And uh, so we studied that about Stephen and how that um, Saul was right there consenting. Whether he threw a stone or not, we don't know, but, but he was able to, to uh, have these outer garments or coats being put right at his feet. I guess they wanted to be able to really throw that stone good and not be cumbered about with with the outer garment there or the coats. But he saw Saul, I mean Saul, saw Stephen. <laughs> Saul, Saul, that's a good one. Uh, he saw Stephen kneeling down and crying out to God, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, he was praying like Jesus did, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And uh, this is what uh, really impressed Saul, I'm sure, when he heard Stephen cry out not to send revenge or judgment, but to forgive, to lay it not at their charge. And this was how that Saul was being forgiven by Stephen, even as he was giving his last breath. But it goes on to say in the 8th chapter, Saul was consenting unto his death, speaking of Stephen, 
And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stayed right there in Jerusalem at first. And devout men, of course, carried Stephen in his burial and made great lamentation over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, going house to house, and uh, arresting men and women and committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. We had this uh, map on my podium here that shows um, the uh, map of, of uh, Jerusalem there and Judea and Samaria and, and to these uttermost places where the word of God spread, especially through Saul after his conversion. And, uh, but we read about some of that even before Saul's conversion because uh, Peter went from uh, Joppa to Caesarea, you know, and, and opened up the door to the Gentiles at Cornelius' household and he preached to them, and while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues. So it, it shows in the early church how that they looked for that as an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, them speaking in tongues, because they said, we have heard them speak with tongues and glorify God. So they knew that they, the Gentiles had also received the baptism we know that Jesus told Peter one time, you know, uh, after he asked the questions, you know, who do men say I am, who do you say I am? And uh, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, you know, and, and Jesus said, blessed are you because flesh didn't reveal that to you, but my father revealed it to you. And I say, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he said something about, uh, and I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. And we see how Peter was used definitely as a key to open the door to the Gentiles first there in first, uh, not first, but in um, Acts, the 10th chapter, when he went to Cornelius' household. And this was the first time when we read about a great conversion among the Gentiles while he was there at Peter's, I mean Peter's, at Cornelius' household. And therefore, he was definitely a key person to do that. And uh, of course, we know that uh, Jesus himself has the keys to the kingdom because he said, I hold the keys. And, uh, but he did use Peter in a great way in opening the door to Gentiles there and also really to the Samaritans because it was Peter that went down to Samaria after Philip had these converts and he laid hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he laid hands on them. So we have been studying some of that but today we're looking more about the conversion of Saul so we're going to skip down to Acts 26 like I said, keep a marker there and also one in 
in Acts 9 because it goes back and forth as we hear of Saul's uh, conversion and testimony. And so in Acts 26, I know I had a marker there. Oh, I'm not. There it is. Uh, we'll read about when Saul was brought before King Agrippa and how that he testified before King Agrippa his testimony. And so in Acts 26, 9 through 12, uh, Sherry, you want to kick off there for us? <laughs> I started. Acts 26, 9, okay. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. All right. <coughs> so we'll see further what he says about that. But uh, he is mentioning himself what type of persecution he did and how that we read there in, in Acts 8 how that he went from house to house and imprisoned men and women in prison. He didn't, uh, he didn't respect the women any more than the men if they were believers or followers of the Lord. Of course, they weren't really called Christians at that time, so the outline is really wrong saying the persecution of Christians there because they weren't Christians as far as the name goes. That happened later on way up here in, in Antioch. Uh, it's hard to read it sideways, but up there it is, Antioch. And uh, so that was way north of uh, Jerusalem area. But notice he mentions about voting there. He said, uh, I cast my vote. <coughs> I gave my voice or vote against them. And uh, so that has been a uh, debate about was he on the Sanhedrin when he said that? Because it's usually the Sanhedrin that did the votes. However, it could have been just a, a meeting in a synagogue where they were voting what to do with the, the believers. And uh, so they, they bring that out. Because if he was on the Sanhedrin, he had to be at least 30 years old, which we knew he was. And also, he uh, would have had to have been married. And so that's where the controversy comes in. Was Paul ever married, you know? And if he was on the Sanhedrin, he had to have been married. But after his conversion, you know, his Jewish wife probably said, I'm leaving you, you know, because... <laughs> Because he does talk about if you're loose from a wife, seek not to be bound, but remain as I am. So, uh, like I said, it's been a controversy, but he did definitely mention about voting against these uh, believers. And uh, 
he didn't just go to Damascus, but he went to a lot of cities, it says, around Jerusalem there. And, and so he was uh, really making havoc of the church wherever he was, and uh, not just there, in Jerusalem. Because he said, I punished them off in every synagogue and tried to get them to curse Christ, and, uh, which would be the blaspheme his name and uh, so he said I persecuted them even in the strange cities and then he was going way up to Damascus to even uh, arrest the believers there so that's where that leaves off so if we go to Acts 9 we have uh, 1 to 3 um, Alyssa you have that Acts, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto, unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of the, this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. It's mainly talking about his persecution of the Christians or believers in Acts 9, 1 through 3. But keep your uh, marker there, and I'll let you read in a little bit more than that. Uh, so we're told about how that, in what Paul said, you know, to Agrippa, how that he went from several cities to uh, arrest men and women that were believers. Uh, sometimes they use the phrase of the way, those that were of the way, because uh, Jesus had said, I am the way. <laughs> and so those that were following Christ the way, they were of the way. And uh, we have a song I know in our book, I'm in the way, yes, I'm in the way. I'm in the glory land way. And so uh, that was, very scriptural to be called those that were of the way, but but Paul wanted them out of the way, <laughs> and so he he wanted them destroyed or Saul did, I should say. Um, so going on there in Acts nine, we come to the next point about how that when this light shone, he's apprehended by Christ in Acts nine three through eighteen. Uh, Alyssa, continues there uh, while you're there. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 18. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to, pick, to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. 
but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. That's what Luke writes there about being apprehended by Christ. He thought he was going to arrest believers, but God arrested him <laughs> on the way. And uh, he tells him about how that when he was persecuting these believers, he was really persecuting Jesus. So we have this handout I'll pass out about Christ and his body, how that what you do to the body of Christ, you're doing to Christ. And if you, if you are uh, putting down people in the body of Christ, you're really putting down Christ. And how that everything is connected with his body. Because uh, he is the head of the body we had there first. And then Christ and the church uh, are called one flesh because they're, they're one and the same. And Christ is the savior of the body. And Christ provides nourishment and care for his body. The body must live in submission to Christ. All, most of these are Ephesians 5, if you notice. And Christ has placed certain individuals in the body to help others learn to serve and to help the body to mature. And the goal for the body is unity in the faith <coughs> and maturity in being like Christ. The body matures in Christ only as each part fulfills its own role. So all those are in Ephesians 4 or Ephesians 5. On the back you have a good Bible study you can do at home about the name of Jesus in the book of Acts. And it gives you those references to look up. So he said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks is what she read there. Um, pricks was something that uh, they probably still do. Cattlemen use this sharp stick, you know, to get the cows to moving or calves to move uh, the cattle. And uh, I'm a city boy, so I don't know a lot about those things. But anyway. They're, it's a sharp object that comes against them, you know, that that gets them to line up the way they should, and so we call that conviction now. Conviction, <laughs> right? There you go. And matter of fact, when it's speaking of conviction, it says they were cut to the heart, you know, and that it really affects them. And like we we read there, Saul was there consenting to the death of Stephen, and this really affected his conscience, I'm sure, and he was going against his own conscience by fighting against the believers that, like Stephen was, and so he was he was uh, 
kicking the conviction of his con conscience. But Saul, I mean, Jesus told him when he said, well, who are you? You know, <laughs> he knew he was a, a angel or something. So he said, I am Jesus, whom thou is persecuting. And so then he said, you are trying to kick against the pricks, and it's hard to do that. <laughs> but, but then arise, go in the city, and it'll be told thee what thou must do. And then uh, talked about the fact that he was three days without sight and was fasting. At least he didn't eat or drink, probably fasting. And then it mentioned how that God spoke to this Ananias and told him, arise and, and go into the street. And he told him exactly the address and uh, inquire for the uh, man named Saul. And uh, he's there praying. So that's why we believe he was fasting and praying. And he has seen a vision of Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. <laughs> and, of course, Ananias thought he'd better inform the Lord just who this person was. So, so he said, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done there in Jerusalem and now has authority by the chief priests to come here to Damascus. And so he thought he better inform the Lord just what was this man about. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. No, he said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. And uh, so he said, Yes, he has done a lot of persecution, and I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And uh, so Ananias then obeyed the Lord and went and, and saw him, this Saul praying, and he realized that he was a different man because he called him brother, if you know, his brother Saul. And uh, so he said, the Lord appeared to me even as he did to you. And it said immediately after he laid hands on him, uh, he received sight and arose and was baptized. Okay, so she read that. Now we go to Acts 26, back to Acts 26 to Paul's uh, testimony. <coughs> And we go to verses 13 through 19. Brother Mickey, you have that? Acts 26, verse 13 through 19. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when, he, when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, 
to make you make thee a minister and a witness of both things which are which thou hast seen and those things which I will appear unto thee. Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And they may be may receive forgiveness of sins and in uh, inheritance among them which are satisfied by faith in is in wherefore or whereupon O king Agrippa I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vic vision I saw the light. Good old Johnny Cash song, or somebody sang that. Um, so you notice there's a lot of more detail that that Paul talked about this experience, because uh, there in Acts nine, it just says that that the Lord said, "Go in the city and will be told what you must do." But here it it mentions the fact that. Uh, that he was being called of the Lord to be a minister because he said, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose and to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee and to deliver thee from the people and the Gentiles unto whom I am now sending thee. So he gave him that commission that, that he was sending him to the Gentiles, that he would be the uh, apostle of the Gentiles, just as Peter was mainly an apostle to the Jews. Or another way he put it, Peter was an apostle to the circumcision, which was the Jews, and the uncircumcision was the Gentiles. And so he said that God hath appointed him, and here we see the first appointment that happened on the road to Damascus. And we also see, he mentioned about seeing the light. What a bright light it was, because it was around midday, he said. And uh, around midday, it's when the sun shines the brightest, but he saw a light brighter than the sun. And uh, so it mentioned the fact that they all heard the voice, but they didn't know what it was saying. Uh, that happened in Jesus' life sometimes, you know. The Father would speak to him, and they just thought it was thundering. Uh, but so those that were with him heard a voice, and not only that, they fell to the earth as well as Saul. So that gives an uh, interesting detail, that they all fell to the earth, and they heard in the Hebrew tongue some claim, you know, that shows what language we're going to speak in heaven because it was Hebrew that, that the Lord spoke to Saul. But, of course, we know that Saul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and so God speaks to us in our own language to understand. Um, but anyway, that is interesting, the different details there. Uh, then we come to or back to Acts 9 which talks about being transformed by Christ. I can't look at that clock. Uh, 
we'll be here all day. Uh, Acts 9 and verses 19 to 31, we won't have time to read all that, um, but he men it mentions the fact that he was certain days with the disciples which were there at Damascus, and then he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. And so he had an opposite message than what he had before. And if you go to Galatians now, in the first chapter, he brings out another important uh, detail. And he said that, um, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my conversation in time past, or his behavior, in other words, how that I persecuted the church and wasted it. And uh, so then it said, um, in verse 17, after this conversion there uh, in Damascus, I went not up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles, but I went into Arabia and returned then again unto Damascus. So that's an important uh, uh, item to notice that he didn't just start preaching Christ right away after he was converted but he went into Arabia and spent about three years there in Arabia, and, and most of them believe that it was on Mount Sinai where Moses was, that he was there with the Lord. And so he said, I didn't receive it from flesh and blood. Neither, neither of the apostles I didn't even see. And so he said, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. Now, before he went up to Jerusalem, he went back to Damascus, as he had mentioned, that I went back to Damascus, and there is when he preached, and there is when he got in trouble, and there is when they had to let him down by a basket. In, and then when he was let down by the basket, he went to Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you that you can convert anyone, and we thank you that that no one is beyond your reach or grace if they will just surrender to you. And we pray that you'll be this with the service that is to follow, anoint every part of it. And we pray that if there's any souls there that need conversion, that they will hear your voice and surrender to you as the Spirit of God deals with their hearts. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to see you all back again. We missed you.